Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish tech news. Hello and welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. My name is Melanie Boylan and today I'm here with Michael Gilmore. Uh, Michael, introduce yourself. Tell us what you do. Hi, so, uh, yep, Michael Gilmore. I am but also known as the $7 Millionaire. Um, I, I'm a fund manager under the name Michael Gilmore, working in Singapore. And I've been working in Singapore and managing money in various ways for more than two decades now. Uh, but in my spare time, I... I try to work on financial literacy projects. Um, and this has been for from anyone from migrant workers through to my own daughter, uh, which is how I came to meet you, Melanie, uh, for the book that was published in February by Wiley, which is called uh, Happy Ever After. Uh, financial freedom isn't a fairy tale, which is a book I wrote for my daughter under the name Seven Dollar Millionaire um, for her when she was 17, which was five years ago now. Um, but it's just been published by Wiley, and um, yeah, it's really that's sort of a, sort of a, trying to encompass all the things I think about financial literacy and try and move people from knowing nothing about finance, as my daughter did when she was seventeen, up to the point where she can go out into the world and and start taking the first steps on her own, but be given the confidence to take those first steps. Well, that was a hell of an introduction there, Michael. Yeah, Thank I, you. <laughs> a bit longer than I was planning, but sorry, yeah. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. And, and I wanted to speak to you as a parent, um, because that's obviously the reason why this particular project, this book, came about. And you said she was 17, and you didn't feel she was knowledgeable at that time enough um, to understand her finances. Do you think there's something wrong fundamentally with um, the, you know, the maths infrastructure at school? Or um, was it not being put into practice beforehand? Yeah, all of the above. Oh, I mean, okay. I think there is, yeah, I mean, it's, there is, we can't go into the what's wrong with the school structure. That's a no. whole different conversation. But I, I, the fact that financial literacy isn't taught at school at all infuriates me. I mean, it makes me genuinely angry that we can spend 12 to 15 years of school uh, training us to go and earn money. And then no conversation at all about how to keep any money for ourselves and, and how we can invest money and that can earn money for us. And that if you use just doing that with simple ways in small amounts of money, your money can be making more money than you do really in 20 plus years. It can the, the tables can turn very, very fast. And yet none of that, none of that's taught to us. And, and that was really what I was trying to address because I'm, I live away. My, my daughter was at an international school, so I was paying for it. And I was paying a lot of money for her not to be taught this. And it just drove me nuts. So I tried to address it. And I, you know, I realized when she was 17, she was going to go away to college soon. I would have only one year left to teach her. And I just didn't want every weekend we had for the last year to be me lecturing her about money. And so we agreed that I'd write her a book to explain all the all the very simple things that she could learn and keep them as simple as possible that would enable her to, to actually function properly as an adult with savings and investments. 
That's a really good idea, actually. I mean, how many parents out there, and I know there's quite a few that's going to be listening to this today, um, who have been teaching their children how to make money. So they've been doing chores around the house and, you know, um, maybe putting some money that they've got for their birthday into a bank account or some some description, putting it away. But they've never actually been told what to do with it once the money is in their account. Um, but not everybody is, you know, a financial investor like yourself, Michael. How, how are people going to understand this book? Yeah, well, actually, the book's very simple. So and it was one of the things that I stayed away from, one of the criticisms I had of the book is it doesn't go into enough detail sometimes about things. But what I was very specifically doing is saying, I wanted to go from zero knowledge in every subject up to really the first rung of the ladder. Because the reality is, is on your, when you're on the first rung of the ladder, you will start to understand the other books in that space. But it's the difficulty of getting from zero to one is mm. the hard part and that I wanted to spend time on. And that's really why it focuses on that level. But you're completely right. I think teaching kids via chores and via you know, pocket money is incredibly important because it's the first way they learn to handle money. Mm. But you're right that, you know, we can't leave it to parents to teach kids how to invest because we've never been taught. And, you know, I know you said like, I'm a financial investor. I wasn't always. I was a journalist before I became worked in finance. And I had a, you I had had a proper a week. job beforehand. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I try not to tell this but I really did become you know an investor by accident and you know it was I had to really kind of get up to speed very quickly and it was a strange period when I realized one a lot of it's not very difficult and two it's really important it just could guide your life and that was where the anger started coming. I was like, why didn't anyone ever bother to teach me this? Mm. You know, it would have been so easy to have a set of classes that would teach me this at some point. And it never was. And for most people, it's not. Most countries in the world have no classes on this in school whatsoever. So obviously you're talking from the, um, the, the system, the country that you're in now. Um, I, I suppose you can relate back to the UK as well being, you know, the obvious British. Yeah. Um, is there is there much support out there for students, let's say, to invest money, or would they be deemed as you know not responsible or knowledgeable enough to do that? There is in different ways. Um, there are, I mean, the book specifically is written very generally, and I tend not to worry. I don't think about local regulations very much, and that's okay. just because that's really sort of step two, three, four, uh, rather than zero to one. And it's just different in every country and it's different every year in some countries, right? You know, every country has a budget which they shift the, the regulations on these things. Singapore has a pretty decent system. There are, there are some classes in universities and some classes in schools, but the, the project that I worked on as well as this book for my daughter was I, was work, I worked on a thing which is called the Thousand Dollar Journal, which is for, um, which was for migrant workers. And the idea there was to help them move towards their first uh, emergency fund, because there are a, about a quarter of Singapore's migrant workers, uh, the whole population. It's enormous. And they come from Philippines, Indonesia, Bangladesh, all around the world, and come from very poor countries to live in a rich city, trying to make a bit more money, send it home, but also save some. Um, and I've seen surveys saying that the, the numbers that go home with the amount they wanted to go home with is 5% or less. 95 wow. percent go home with, and it's because they don't have they, there's a lot of reasons but one of the big ones is they don't know how to save and invest and so this was a, a product aimed at them and I, I was working with a local university group on this project and after about 
two, three weeks, these students and super smart students turned to me and said, you know, all this stuff that you're teaching these migrant workers, we don't know it either. Um, you know, we need this just as much. And that was where I really was, I'd already finished the book for my daughter by that point, and I, but it wasn't published. And I was like, you know, this is a global universal problem. Almost everyone has this as a problem. Okay, so it can be applied to any country um, and it would be applied to different ranges of people who, who have a, a specific um, audience. So either from young teenagers to less educated, let's say, um, migrant workers. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not a migrant worker and I would consider myself less educated when it came to finance. Mm. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, it's, you know, yes, we're here to you can be good with, with, with writing and with words, but when it comes to numbers, nah. Just this, nah. It's actually, that's part of the, the issue is that there's just not a, obviously there are numbers in finance. Yeah. But actually getting, and that's where this, the book was really, the happy ever after was aimed at my daughter. She, she's not comfortable dealing with numbers either. Mm. Um, and I have to say, so if I deal, you know, if I consider my book as having a target market of one, my, my success rate is 100%. She's now been working <laughs> for, she's been working for four months. She graduated in her bedroom, like so many of her year last summer. Um, and she got a job about four months ago and she's put away a substantial amount of her salary every month for the last four months into an index fund. So she's in investing it directly. And that to me is she's not, she's not doing a huge amount of maths. She's not comparing return rates or any of that kind of stuff. She just knows she's got to get it away uh, and start investing it straight away. Cause that's what she learned from the book. You know, I, I know there's, that's maybe not an enormous amount to communicate in 200 pages, but <laughs> that it was sort of explaining to her, this is how important that is. And so she's just gone straight there and started investing it and not doing too much maths about it at all. And that is actually to me, the most important message just to convince people, number one, that it's actually possible to generate independent, I don't want to call it wealth, but financial security. Yeah. It's, it's, it's possible. And that's why, that's why I use the pseudonym I use. So the $7 millionaire actually stands for an equation. It stands for an equation that my daughter asked me to do when we were working on the book. You know, we were going through all those things. Okay, so what's the smallest amount of money I need to save to become a millionaire? I was like, you know, so of course, first first response, Google, no good answers. So being a finance person, it's pulled out a spreadsheet and calculated. So it's, you know, in, in dollars, it's $7. You need to save $7 a day. And if you can get that invested and it can make a 7% return, that'll turn into a million dollars by the time you retire at the age of 70. So we were asking the smallest amount of money, but by the time you retire. And I was stunned by that number because I, I remember thinking, as a kid, I'll never be a millionaire. It's an enormous amount of money. Mm. You know, how does that ever happen to anyone? And you said that, well, actually seven, like whether it's seven pounds, seven euros, seven dollars, mm. you know, it's not as big a sum of money as, as you would think it requires to, to get that large sum of money. And it's about overcoming those sort of psychological, give people that dream, give them the small steps. And then all the little bits in between that can build up to overcoming the psychological issue. Because in the end, all you've got to do is go bang it into the investment. You don't really have to do that many complicated maths. You just buy an index fund, keep plugging away at it, and that'll turn also, out okay. See, so you've got the advantage here of also having the knowledge of, of understanding index funds as well. Mm. Mm. Um, and, you know, we've. I'm afraid I've got family who, um, you know, shifted money into funds when they were 
um, working and mm. you know some of those funds have gone <laughs> mm. um, and you know they didn't think to go back and ask for further advice during that time mm. um, to you know is it still safe is it secure and that sort of thing because you can move yeah. funds can't you you can move your yep. money anytime or yeah. fairly quickly anyway um, and you know and I think maybe it Educating yourself is one thing, but also understanding that it's okay to look for help and yeah. to ask for guidance is also important because walking away thinking you know it all after reading a 200-page book is probably not a good idea. No, and it, it, it's absolutely. <laughs> and and, you know, and it's, it's very, very much aimed at just answering that first question all the way through. Uh, and, you know, one of the sections in the, in the book, which is the most probably one of the most important sections, is how to spot a scam. Ah. Uh, you know, and, and it's and one of the one of the most important things there is ask as many questions as you like. It's your money. You are the boss. So just keep asking questions and anyone refuses to answer any questions. Don't give them any money. Mm. And if they can't ask the question and, you know, what kind of questions you need to ask them if, if you think it might be a scam. But the you know, 100 percent is like you okay, to go to the answer. The index fund you buy is you buy the Vanguard S&P 500. You start there. And when you've learned better, you move on. But the, the fact that Warren Buffett's will is 90% into the Vanguard S&P 500 index. Now, who, Sounds who like a safe we? bet. <laughs> who are we, right? Who are we? It's like, you know, it's, you're going to have to learn quite a bit to be better than 90% of his will. Um, yeah. yeah, right? So, and, you know, the S&P 500 gives you the 500 biggest companies in the world. And it's just, and it's automatically shifted every few months to make sure it's reflecting something pretty good. I am not a fan of index investing at my level of what I do, because you know, and what I do is I tend to tear apart indices and see what what's happening with them. But for most people, the fact that you can get the Vanguard S and P five hundred at you know ten basis points, you know, tenth of one percent, so it's a no brainer. And once you've once you look at that and you think, okay, I can pull this apart and I know what's in it, and I don't like this and I don't like that, and I should be getting something else. Yeah, yes, you've read more books than just mine. You know, and, <laughs> and you, and you, you should be moving on, and it's good. That's a that's a great situation to be in. Yeah, but you have to start somewhere. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and and that was why I did. I didn't find anywhere else but her to start. Mm. Okay, so this this really would be an excellent way to introduce your um, younger siblings or um you know your nieces and nephews or your grandchildren mm. perhaps um into providing a bit of better security financial security um so when you started this book i remember you saying just before we started recording that you didn't want to waste your last year um you know doing these lessons so when were you writing michael because yeah was it six the weekends or? It's about uh, six o'clock in the morning. Um, I, I, I had the whole thing mapped out in advance. Uh, and what I found is that I didn't know this before I started this particular project. Um, I think we all have this as writers that we have, we have a creating writer and a critic, an internal yes. critic. I found that my internal critic doesn't wake up until about 10 o'clock. <laughs> so if I if I get up early enough, I can get a lot of stuff written that may be terrible, but at least it's done. 
Um, and, and so what I was doing was I was just before work every day, I was getting out. It took me about six months to do the first draft. And obviously the first draft has nothing like the book as it stands. Um, but it was just that first draft done. And then I could work on the rest of it later in the day. It turns out I can never edit until about 10 o'clock in, you know, in the daytime because I just internally am not critical of anything too early in the morning. Um, but yeah, that's how I did it. Waking up first thing and sort of a thousand words plus before going to work. See, I've got to agree with you there when it comes to the old internal critic. In fact, I find writing first um, is much easier and then going back over it. In fact, sometimes taking a break and walking away for an hour or something and then coming back and even though it's not very long, um, for some reason it's kind of like wipes the slate clean you you can look at it more critically yeah. um and you know I, I can start hearing the birds waking up and then the kids waking up and and so all of that is happening in the background it's, it's yeah. i love writing at that time of the morning actually that's good time. yeah it is very good and you, and you don't get in the way of yourself i mean no. there's just there's only so much of you there mm. you know you just sort of focus on that get it done and then it, and then it's over yeah so She's now starting to apply some of the knowledge that she's got from this book. Um, will there be a second book? Because obviously now she's working and she's um, applying this knowledge. Um, you know, I mean, you said it yourself, this is zero to one. Will you be doing mm. one to two next? Um, I've been asked to. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure I will, though. Um, <laughs> how do I answer there is a second book in my head that I'm sort of interested in, which is I was kind of hinting out saying is that how to invest via an index um, and then how to pull apart an index. Because essentially what you should do is you should spend five or six years just investing in, in an index and analyzing the index and how it performs for you over time uh, and tear it apart. And the, the, you know, were you making more money in banks or in car companies or in consumer companies or in oil companies and understand that before you then start re-weighting it yourself by investing in individual names because then you ask the question do i what do i want more of what do i want less of and then oh what was what was not in this index that i want instead what was making more money outside i'm honest i don't think i'll write it I, i've been asked to i, I don't I, it doesn't kind of get to me i know my daughter won't find it very interesting <laughs> Um, I, I don't think it's going to add, you know, what I've done for her adds, it's like I've gone from you know, zero to 0.99, adding that extra thing for, so that's part of the reason it's unlikely. The second reason I find it unlikely is I'm really motivated by this challenge of spreading basic financial literacy. Um, to me, once you're in an index, you're not really part of the problem anymore. You're probably taking care of your finances fairly well. And I worry really about the, you know, it's, it's say if we look across the planet at any given time, there's one and a half billion kids, young people on the planet, and none of them are getting a financial education. And, I, and it just needs to go that far. If we can just get it that far to, you know, if I save, I mean, some very basic maths. Okay, this isn't basic maths. This needs a bit of a spreadsheet to calculate. But <laughs> if, you know, to know what percentage savings rate you have, what, you know, what you save out of your out of your income can determine how long you have to work. I mean, and you, you can you know, this sort of is, is a truth, because if you if you never save anything, you'll be working forever. And if you were able to send, save 100 percent of your income, obviously you don't need any money. So you could work. You don't need to work at all. And between those points there's basically a curve which says, you know, around about if you save 50 percent of your income, 
you probably only need to work about 17 or 18 years. Wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and and uh, my favorite example of this is two teachers in Las Vegas called Joe and Ali Olson. I've done an interview with them for, for a different book. And so they were teachers and they were teachers for eight years before they retired. Um, and they said, I mean, there's a lot of things they did and they've explained it in detail in various places, but I think they really, they did one thing right. And that was when they left college and they knew they're gonna get jobs as teachers, they asked themselves the question, did I really have such a bad time as a student? And if the answer is no, is do I need to spend any more money than I did spend as a student? And they worked out that if they kept their spending at that level, they could retire in eight years. And they did with a kid and traveled the world until last year, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but they and they've continued that living that life and it, just working out those simple numbers. I, I, what I love about that is just puts you in control. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing we all lack the sense of on in money is we lack, we just we're never given control over it and that's what i really want to give through financial literacy stuff is not you know what's the most tax efficient savings scheme you know that's great at steps three four or five but it's like no how to have control over your money and so not to let money have control over you and really establish that control so you can choose the life you want because if you think about it, that's really what i wanted for my daughter i wanted to have the control over her life no, and I can definitely agree with that as well. Um, but sometimes I think there's there's almost too much choice in the high street. Um, mm. And we all know that each shop or location that we go to, whether it's online or face-to-face, -face, they're all in it for themselves in one way. Mm. If they have to make, a money, you know, make money from it somehow. But you've got to try and work out the pros and the cons for them and for yourself, I suppose. Um, but I, I do think, you know, getting them started is, is essential. But I also think, you know, you've, you've got to find a, an advisor that you can trust as well, on a, that you can go back to on a semi-regular basis as well, um, because things change. It's they weird do. how people don't, don't you know, yeah. they know their bills change, but they don't think their finances change. It's bizarre. It's true. I, I worry about advising people to go to advisors and that's just because i think that i don't find many of them all that much use to be honest um and i would there's so much information out there that you can get on your own but i think the, the part of the problem is that most people don't get a solid foundation in in what money is and what finance is and what investing is and because they don't have that solid foundation they need to keep going and asking for advice because nothing's actually sinking in and the, the, the basics are so simple that if you get a solid foundation, you'll see through, you know, the rubbish, the, the, the lies that are being spun in front of you and the self-serving arguments you're being given. Hmm. And you'll get to it quite quickly, I think. But it's why that foundation is so important. Okay, so you mentioned um, this book is being published by Wiley, but whereabouts can we get this book right now? Is there a website we can visit? So Wiley has a website, uh, mm -hmm. but it's on all the Amazon pages globally as well. Um, and all actually, because Wiley thinks put it on all the book pages, so Waterstones and et cetera, Barnes and Noble, it's on all of those too. Um, and yeah, it is on there, I have checked. Um, you know, there was a period when it came out here and I was telling friends in the UK that it was out there, no, it's not. Um, but it is out everywhere now. 
Um, and yeah, it's uh, Happy Ever After. There's a couple of other books, bizarrely, that have the same title. Um, but mine is one that's sort of, it's Financial Freedom Isn't a Fairy Tale. Um, and, and that is also, it was part of the book was talking to my daughter as well about, you know, okay, she's 17. She doesn't really believe in fairy tales anymore. <laughs> but there is still this hint that everyone thinks that they're going to buy a magic lottery ticket or someone's going to save them, you know, whether it's a prince or a government. Um, and I just wanted to get into the, that. That's a fairy tale. You know, you've got to take responsibility for all these things yourself. Mm. And, it, and, you know, not saying to do anything super difficult, just step by step by step, you take some more responsibility for yourself. And so that that is why, you know, it has that sort of financial. And financial freedom is also, it's it's a linked term to this movement called FIRE, I don't know if you've seen any of that. It's very big in America. It's sort of moving across the rest of the world, uh, which was not very big, but they're very, they're, they're very noisy. Um, it's financial independence, retire early. Yeah, um, okay. I'm not a massive fan of the last two letters of that, actually. I don't think it's really about retiring early. I think it's, it's about independence. Um, and it's about so the really basic maths that, that drives uh, actual proper financial independence. So looking at looking up fire as well. Um, yeah. Okay, and fire movement. Fire movement. So fire movement. Um, the the even more ridiculously named than, than me, uh, Mr. Money Mustache is one of the big leaders <laughs> of that. I mean, you know, we laugh at seven dollar millionaire, but yeah, Mr. Money Mustache has really got a great name, hasn't he? Um, he's he's very good fun to read, and he just talks about how we're all fixated with buying the latest crap um and in reality that you could just you look at so many things that you waste money on every year and think but what if i put that in into an investment and it turned out that much money mm. you know all of a sudden you're you know you're independent and if you, you know, choose to hmm? that is so true the amount of money that i know a lot of people have saved this year because they haven't been out on the high street pick, trolling windows and picking up all sorts of stuff they would normally so i can i can vouch for that on a personal level <laughs> holidays yeah restaurants yep yeah. yeah i mean also i mean and this is some ways right it's it, it's a it's a difficult year to bring out a book to talk to people about financial independence and saving more money because mm -hmm. people have less money this year a lot of people have less money on the other hand i think it's a year where we now will understand why we have an emergency fund yes uh, you know and, and it's like that's step one you know the, and, you know and you know go call myself some dollar millionaire wouldn't it be nice if everyone who read it was a millionaire in you know 50 years or less um however if more if a lot of them get emergency funds job done you know totally. it really just like you know can take away that needing to borrow a payday loan at a ridiculous number yeah. um that kind of stuff that's that's part of the job right there well, absolutely. I, I couldn't I actually agree with you more because too many people use those as a fallback, don't they? So to get you that kind of financial security so you don't have to rely on some something like that. Brilliant. Yeah. And they charge unbelievable amounts of money. I mean, just insane amounts of money. And any even credit card debt is, you know, 25, 30% a year. I mean, that means it doubles, you know, in two to three years. Uh, you know, just wrong, absolutely wrong. No, you're absolutely right. Well, 
Thank you so much for your time today, Michael. And thank you so much for explaining how the concept works, your idea, where it came from. Um, and so I'm so glad to hear that your daughter is now putting in, into practice, into actual practical practice, which is the important part. Yeah, very much. I mean, it, it's something that I firmly believe that very little of money is actually theory. So much of it is psychology mm. and practice. You know, I mean, if you can get the psychology and the practice right, the numbers aren't really very important. No. Um, you know, just keep doing it every week, every month, every year. Uh, and, and to do that, you kind of got to have the psychology, right? The, you know, the numbers will make sense all on their own. We've heard that saying before, haven't we? <laughs> and the numbers make up themselves. Okay, well, thanks again, Michael. Well, that's all we have time for now, but thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back very soon with another podcast. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.